What's up and welcome back to the Dream Mason podcast. I'm your host, Alex Terranova. I'm a Dream Mason, a performance coach. I work with strong and successful people to boldly declare what they want, get real about what's in the way, and create the strategy and the steps for more clarity, freedom, and success in their life. Together, we get things done faster, raise the bar on your goals, improve your relationships, and get crystal clear on what you really want. Now, if you haven't already, please support me and this podcast by subscribing on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, TuneIn, or YouTube, and please leave a review on iTunes. Follow me, Inspirational Alex, on Instagram, and share this podcast with a friend. Now, a dream mason is a person who is brave enough to declare they have a dream and committed enough to do the work to build it. Now, I know we all have a dream mason inside of us, and my dream for this podcast is to support us by giving us a glimpse inside the hearts and minds of leaders, creators, and innovators to help us unleash our inner dream mason. Because your dreams don't build themselves. I want to give a quick shout out to our sponsor, Accomplishment Coaching. I won't let anyone sponsor this show, but I've personally done Accomplishment Coaching, their year-long life leadership training program, and it changed my life completely. Besides giving me a new career, it supported me to improve my relationships with my family, my friends, make the most money I've ever made, find more joy, and overall live a much more powerful life. So if you're interested in coaching, transformational work, or leadership training, Accomplishment Coaching is definitely the world's finest training program. Let's get into this episode. What's up, and welcome back to the Dream Mason Podcast. I am your host, Alex Terranova. Today, my guest is somebody who I go way back with. Um, I can I can date our the beginnings of our relationship, even though they weren't close, all the way back to high school. Um, we went to the same high school together in Santa Monica, um, grew up in the same area, fell in the same circles of people in college. We found ourselves, we worked out together at one point at Gold's Gym in Venice Beach. I don't even know how that happened, but like it was a period of time we were doing that. Um, and then there was like long gaps of unknown, unknown, didn't know where he was or what he was doing. And and we were never close enough to to have it be like a problem or anything. It was just a thing. And then a few years ago, I flipped on Facebook and I remember seeing this, his face and him talking about his life and breakthroughs and, and crying on Facebook and was like, wait, who is this guy? What is going on here? This is not the guy I remember. He was just being extraordinarily open and vulnerable about his life and the trajectory of it. And after seeing one or two of those videos, I reached out and we shared our, our stories and they were, it was kind of like we were back on similar railroad tracks again. And... I've just been inspired by who he is and who he's become and the trajectory and the the 360 degree turn that his life has taken. I don't even know if 360 is right because I would have you back at the where you were, but 180. Um, my guest today is Azuro Malin. Did I pronounce your last name right? I don't think I've ever said it before. Yeah. Yeah? Cool. Azuro is a social entrepreneur. He's a life coach. He is a meditation and yoga teacher. He also is a poet and a lyricist, and recently he released a, I want to call it a music video, because yeah, that's, poetic. which just like blew my mind, because it's, it's, it's not something that I know how to do, but I was like, why, do, why are more people not putting out musical poetry content that is entertaining, uplifting, inspiring, that just had me like want to show everybody, like, look, look, entertainment doesn't have to be negative. Azuro, thanks for being here, man. Thanks for driving down to San Diego from LA. Dope, man. Thank you so much. Thanks for such an intro. Yeah, thank you so much. Uh, so much gratitude. Really, really grateful to be here. And uh, and same to you, man. You've really been doing your thing, inspiring a lot of people. And the Dream Mason brand and intention um, is really inspiring to me. So I'm I'm, thank you. I'm happy to be here. Thanks, man. Let's. Uh, is there anything that I missed in the like the kind of setup of the course of our trajectory? Well, yeah, I mean, just thirty-five years of life, and 
Um, no, I mean, you know, we grew up in LA, both of us, and that has its own challenges, I would say. I mean, it's, it's a, a blessing and a curse for a lot of people. You know, a lot of people who meet me in LA, they're like, you're from here? <laughs> like it's always, a it's right? a it's, it's a rare a it's a rare breed um but growing up in the 90s you know 80s 90s 2000s um came with came with a full package and uh and i definitely in my teenage years struggled heavy and you know kind of um hit the streets after my parents divorced, trying to find answers for a sadness I didn't even know that I had and an anger that developed to protect my hurt little child, my hurt inner child. And uh, that took me to the streets and it took me to gang life and it took me to violence and crime because Pac was rapping about it and Biggie was rapping about it and I wanted to be like Snoop and I wanted to be like the dudes, you know? So. The beauty of that moment, too, was that, um, you know, I, I, I figured that it the dark some of the that was some of the darkest moments of my life. And also I developed one of my life's purpose. I developed my craft as a poet and as a lyricist during one of those darkest moments. You know, I was always on stage performing as a kid in front of my parents and we can get into all that. But it was in those hard years where I was drinking and using drugs, where I was on the streets, where I was fighting every weekend, um, where I was in a lot of anger and fear that I was writing the most. And I was writing these raps and these lyrics trying to express myself. And uh, so it was a beautiful blessing, you know, at the same time being um, a deep moment of transformation. And uh, yeah, I mean, the story goes on and on, but I, you know, I could talk for hours here about it. No, I, you shared with me when we, I, was, I came to actually visit you at the complex you're building at your house in, in LA. And I didn't realize, like we knew each other in high school, but we weren't, we, and we had a lot of similar friends, but we weren't like friends and we weren't enemies or anything. Like we never yeah. got in a fight. I never had, I never had an issue with you. I don't, I don't know if you ever had, <laughs> but like there was never a thing. Nah, you were cool, man. You were I cool. didn't know, you know, you shared with me that on the weekends, you know, you were running around starting fights and, and robbing people and, and doing stuff that you're not proud of now, but you know, as part of your, your journey and whatnot. And that, I didn't know that. I didn't know all that. And I didn't know that you shared with me that, you know, you got sent to Italy because you were getting in so many, so, so many, you know, altercations or problems. But I love that you talk about all of that as it helped you get where you are now. It really did. I mean, it was the catalyst for my transformation. I found that had I not reached bottom at 17 years old, after many years of, like you said, you know, violence and, and anger, um, my mother wouldn't have sent me to Italy with two spiritual books. <laughs> the first, Which ones? The Celestine Prophecy and The Peaceful Warrior. Nice, okay. A journal, my first journal, 1999, and a mirror. And it was a catalyst for me going inside, me starting to uh, do this work that I've been doing now for 20 years, really since then. Um, those books, I drank them up. You know, I drank those books up. Everything I read in there, I just felt that they rang my bells of truth immediately. And I began to practice and believe immediately in, in whatever was being told to me uh, at that time. And I began to journal. And, um, you know, I traveled around Europe and learned a lot of lessons. I moved. I lived in Ibiza for a while. I, I visited Ibiza and it became kind of like a spiritual mecca for me. And I went back every year and had had this great awakening moment it was being I, I i got popped out of my bubble you know la can be a bubble any city can really become a bubble if you've lived there your whole life and you begin to believe that that's all that's possible or that's all that the world's about and i find a lot of people even you know that i work with in to this day uh find themselves caught in some sort of paradigm some sort of bubbles a closed reality and they just believe that's what their life is they believe that that's what life's all about and that's that's where i was and it took you know getting jumped actually and having my jaw broken and um my mother 
deporting me essentially out of the out of Los Angeles, out of the country to go live in Italy for me to break out of this bubble, to break out of this paradigm. And once I did that, I began to see life and the world from a completely different perspective. And it transformed me physically. I mean, my body changed, my the length of my hair changed. You know, I went to Italy with a shaved head and a goatee. I came back with a tan, long hair, and no facial hair, right? And they called me Euro Azuro when I came <laughs> back, and none of the old homies wanted to kick it anymore because <laughs> of the transformation, but it was one of the greatest things that ever happened to me. That's a, that's a really great point. I love that where you just finished too is all the people that you were close with, they didn't all go through this. No. Right. And I have that same experience where like I was, it happened for me later, but you know, the bar, the restaurant crowds that I was in, you know, people were like, what did Alex find Jesus? Like what happened? You know? Yeah. So what was that like for you to, you, you went there and then all these people that you were really tight with, you know, they're not, they're not doing what you're doing. They're not up to what you're up to. Yeah, it was a bittersweet experience. You know, I came back and I really just wanted to share. I was like, guys, you got to believe me. I swear there's something incredible out there. And they were just like, yeah, yeah, homie. I mean, I got this chronic blunt and this, you know, fifth of vodka. Like, that's all I need to give a give a F about. And, uh, and so I slowly just naturally gravitated away from a lot of uh, the old guys that I ran with. And, you know, unfortunately, a lot of those guys are in jail or have passed away, um, have been killed. It's incredible, you know, to you hear these stories on TV or the radio, but then to to actually live through having solid friends who slept over your house and met your parents, you met their parents and now they're dead because they continue to live in a paradigm that was surrounded by pain, anger, violence, and, you know, that life that so many people fall into here in LA. It's a, it's a, it's a wild ride for sure. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I'm grateful. I don't have a lot of that. Like the, I, I think it's, for me, a lot of it was be feeling sad that the people don't realize what they're capable of. And I know it's the same thing. Um, but I, like, I didn't come back to the death or the, the, but I did come back to not being able to have the same friends, but really just, it broke my heart to, to see people. And all of a sudden I was looking at the world with new eyes. Right. Yeah. And I could see that everybody had this power and divinity and, and possibility in them and they didn't see it in themselves and they wouldn't let you fight for it for them either. Yeah. They they put them, it was almost like the more you wanted to fight for them, the more they pushed you away. Yeah, well, it's it's um, like I said, it's a bit of a gift and a curse, right? You can see people's potential, you can see the possibilities inside them, you can see the energy that they have, but they've got a voice in their head that tells them they're not good enough. They've got a voice in their head that tells them, you know, that there's no way that they could be what you see, and hearing you say it makes them resentful. Um, it's really an internal battle that people are having with themselves that we have with ourselves, you know, depending on where you're at. Um, with your own self-talk and your own self-esteem. But yeah, I, I completely relate. And, you know, sometimes it's it's just about detaching with love and and realizing that, hey, everyone has their journey and uh, and 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 to keep stepping. What's your version of that? I um I talk about mine on here all the time is, you know, if you're inside of my head, you would be like, dude, you are horrible to yourself. What's, what's your version of, um, that kind of self-talk that you, you know, or struggle with or are challenged by? Wow. I mean, there's so many layers to it. You know, I think that <clears throat> depends on how deep we want to go, but let's go deep. Let's go deep. We're here to do that. Right. <laughs> so, um, you know, my mother gave birth to me after meeting my father on a one night stand and she always felt unloved and unaccepted by her father. So had this chip on her shoulder her whole life about men really not being lovable to men, men not loving her, her not being able to find a man. So she figured she would give birth to a man that would finally love her the way that she deserved to be loved. And that's what I was born into. My name is Azzurro, which means blue in Italian, but is also the national color. And Prince Charming in all the fairy tales is called <laughs> Principe Azzurro, right? And what does he do? Oh, wow. He saves the damsel in distress. So subconsciously, my mother was looking for a savior 
of the damsel in distress, right? She was looking for her principe azzurro. She gave birth to him. And you came back from Italy looking like Jesus. <laughs> <right>? <laughs> so my my contract, one of my you know karmic contracts was to come into this earth with this sense of responsibility to making my mother happy and making my mother feel loved. Now, we can't make anyone happy. So in my attempts as a young child to constantly make my mother smile, make her happy, make the relationship with my father happy, to make the family feel more loving at home, because the family, you know, our family did the best that they could, but it wasn't the most loving environment all the time. So I took on the responsibility of trying to bring the love, trying to make everyone happy, you know, which often looked like me performing and dancing and singing and doing all this stuff. Um, but I couldn't do it at the end of the day. So what was the story that I told myself? The story was, hey, you're not good enough. You're not good enough to make your mother happy. You're not good enough for these people to love you, love themselves. You just can't do it. You're not good enough. And that was a big, big story that became a voice in my head that was extremely oppressive for so many years. And I've spent a lot of time working through that. Uh, today, I would say that those, voice has, those voices have settled down a lot, but they're still there. You know, the voices, they never go away. You just build a new relationship with them. I've built a new relationship with them. I have literally over 40 characters who I have names for and character descriptions um, for the different, you know, sub-personalities yeah. within my personality who I can now dialogue with and relate to. And when they come up, um, oh, you fuck, you know, I got a guy's name's you fucked up, Frank. Right. Because that's all he ever says. You fucked up. You fucked this up. You fucked that up. So whenever you fucked up, Frank comes up, you know, <laughs> we sit down, I give him a cup of coffee and we have a conversation. Yeah. Um, I think I think that little boy, the you're not good enough boy, you know, he's an infant. He's an infant child. And so some of the deeper work that I do with him, his name's <laughs> Joyo. I'm constantly <laughs> sitting with him um, having different dialogues. And I've learned that when he starts to cry, when he starts to scream, when those voices start to get loud, instead of soothing or running away from him or those voices, right? I can, I've soothed, we all can choose to soothe by drinking, smoking, watching television, having sex, uh, working, becoming a workaholic, distracting yourself in so many different ways. Instead of doing that, it's taken me a long time, but now I sit with it. I sit with the voices. I listen. I allow them to speak. I hear them out. I have a dialogue. It's a whole process of reparenting. And I don't go to the outside world to fix or to shift my state of being. I'm just able to sit with whatever these voices are, nurture and self-care, till I get to a place of centeredness and then keep it moving. That's awesome. Yeah. Thanks, for, thanks for sharing the voices yeah. and the names. I love that you have <laughs> names for like multiple versions of them, not just the one, you know, one general name. Um, it also makes it like lighter and fun, right? Like versus it being so heavy that it's like I have this shitty voice in my head. Like you name them, you play with them, you give them what they need and you don't actually treat it as anything other than normal. It's being human. That's the magic. And, you know, once you get good at it, you can really distinguish the challenging voices and then the empowering voices because we also have those voices in our head yeah. that light us up, mm -hmm. right? Those voices that come from my higher self, that those voices that come from the motivational people in our life, the coach who really did have your back, the dad who really did support you or brother or friend, right? So we have these voices that were planted, let's say, by a higher state of consciousness or by higher experiences that support the upliftment of your state of being. And if you can anchor those into your being and put those players on the main stage of your life, then you're really, then you're really up to something special. And that's a lot of the work that I do is I look to, 
identify who are the challenging characters who continuously come up in my psyche and in the psyche of my clients, great. Can we create a space for those characters? Can they be seen, heard, felt, understood, and talked to, nurtured? Beautiful. And then who are the empowering voices? Who are the voices that are in alignment with your soul's contract? Who are the voices that really uplift you and fill you with enthusiasm and passion and energy? And now can we build a world around those voices? Can we make choices in our lives to support the emergence and the evocation, right? Can we evoke those characters and really put them on the main stage of your life? And once you start doing that, whoo, it's off to the races. It's really fun. I love the, um, just the, the, the lifting up of the empowering ones because we, our society, our culture, the people we surround ourselves with, media, everything is actually focused so much more on the negative. And as human beings, we have that default like negative brain bias that we lean that way. And it, it requires us to, it's the same as like with our bodies, right? You don't, you're not born jacked with muscle and in great shape. You actually have to do the work to build the body or create the body that you want, regardless of what it looks like, whether it just be health or a certain look, your default state is just whatever it is. And if you don't nurture it and take care of it, the negative will seep its way in and take over. And I love that you really talk about, Hey, we don't ignore the negative. We don't pretend we don't do this like false positivity where we just focus on the positive and pretend the negative doesn't exist, but we actually give the negative space. We, we nurture it. We get, we find what needs it needs met, but then we also give a microphone to the, the, the other voices that we haven't learned to nurture and cultivate. And we actually give them, it's almost like we give them the nutrition that they need to grow and get louder and flourish. Absolutely. You said something before that I, I I've never talked about on this podcast, I don't think. And I really want to touch on, cause I think it comes up in every relationship, uh, for every person. And when I say relationship, mostly in like, um, romantic, but I think it comes up in all sorts of relationships, which is we can't make other people happy. And we're in a society that we think that we're, we're like brainwashed to think we can, it's my job to make my partner happy. Yeah. It's her job to make me happy. And it's, it's, that's probably one of the main reasons relationships don't work. Yeah. Can you speak more to, to like explain that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you said so many things that I was like, Oh, I could jump in there too. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I call it a social emotional dependency. It's very similar to a codependency, but it's bigger than just one-on-one. -on -one. It's that we're emotionally dependent on other people on society for our emotional well-being a lot of the time. And for me, it's one of the greatest epidemics that exists. It's one of the greatest sources of dis-ease is this social, emotional dependency. I mean, it's why Instagram is so popular. It's why Facebook is so popular. It's why Donald Trump is the president, right? It's because... Um, our image, how other people perceive us becomes so important that it, it, it's glorified by the culture, right? If you are perceived by others to be something, whether you are that or not, it's given accolades and given a lot of value. Um, and it's also the source of a tremendous amount of discontentment and, you know, not being fulfilled. Um so, you know, how, how, how to speak about it is we essentially are going through an identity crisis. So most people don't know who they are or what their I is. What does I mean? Who am I? What is my identity? So because I don't know what my identity is, how do I define myself? I define myself based on what other people tell me about myself or how other people feel about me or how other how I perceive other people feel about me. Because a lot of times it's not even true, yeah. right? Like <laughs> I want to make you happy. Well, actually, I want to make me think that I'm making you happy mm -hmm. versus actually make you happy. Um, and it's, 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 it's identity crisis because if that other person wasn't there, who are you? If no one liked your 
picture or no one uh, acknowledged you or gave you the accolades, if it was just you and God, you and yourself, then how would you feel about yourself? What would you do? How would you be? Um, So even in the social justice movement, you know, I, I spent three years in the activist space. Before that, I got a master's degree at USC in social entrepreneurship because at a certain point in my career, I was like, listen, I just want to build businesses that are good for the planet and the people on it, right? I mean, if I can build any business, you know, I proved to myself over and over again that I can be successful and build any business that I put my mind to. I've been manifesting for, you know, two decades and you can make that happen. I can make that happen. However, what's the purpose, right? What's the end goal? So I decided that, you know, I wanted to get into the social entrepreneurship game and, um, build businesses that are good for the planet. But even in that field, even in that sector, it took me five years to realize it, but it's a lot of people who don't know who they are. It's a lot of people that, a lot of people that aren't content with themselves as they are without doing anything. So what are they trying to do? They're trying to save the world so that they can feel better about themselves. They're going out there trying to be of service, trying to do all of these things just so that they can go to bed at night and feel good about themselves. And because of this, because of this emptiness that's looking to be filled by doing, I say a lot of times that the people who are trying to make the world a better place, a lot of times are making it worse, right? Not that they don't have good intentions, but they haven't done the work initially to come to a space inside of their bodies where they feel peace, where they feel contentment, where they feel wholeness with themselves. And a lot of times, just that act of alone makes the world a better place. Just the act of alone, of living your truth, living in your body, self-actualizing your destiny, your soul's contract, why you're here on this planet, that alone makes the world a better place without you needing to really do anything. It reminds me of this, the idea of, especially this piece of people going out and trying to fix the world, like make the world better, fix it, whatever, this idea of fixing. That if we are fixing something, then it has to be broken. Right. You can't fix something that's whole and complete. Yeah. And so if we're trying to, if we perceive something is broken and we have to fix it, then we actually are reinforcing that it's broken, right? 100%. That we're not broken. You and I and anybody listening to this and, and the world and every, the way it is, is the way it is. And, but when we apply the, Hey, I need to fix this. I need to do this. And especially, I love that you talk about it from, it's not from a place of, I know who I am and I've, and I've actually done the work to really get clear on who I am. If everybody else was gone, I love that idea of like, if we just put you in anywhere and no one was there, who would you be? And we'd all be somebody, but most of us probably don't know. It's a really great, the, the, the image of it is powerful. I want to jump in there just because it reminds me of something I was going to say a minute ago when you were talking, you know, we have to meet people where they're at. And that's why talking about the wounding, talking about the pain, talking about the trauma that the people carry in their body is really important. Talking about the quote unquote negative stuff, right? Or the negative voices. Because this society has been built on, you know, beliefs and systems that are innately um, oppressive and carry with them histories of trauma. So we carry violence and wars and slavery and all that in our in our cellular body, in an, in in our imprint of, of of being human or being American. So a lot of the human beings out there are just carrying all these wounds. And if we meet them there, then it's easy to. That's why people want to talk about you know this stuff so much, uh, the negative stuff you were calling it. I think earlier instead of the positive. So we, a lot of times we got to meet people. We got to meet ourselves where we're at. And that could be a wounded place and begin to do that work there. And then as the healing begins to take place and practices start to become incorporated like meditation, like prayer, like opening up to something greater than ourselves, opening up to the truth about existence, which is that we're all created from the same energy that creates and sustains and even destroys all life, right? And we begin to build a relationship with that energy, 
Then we start to download things that are outside of the current paradigm of consciousness, right? So there's there's a frequency in the current paradigm of consciousness, the Instagram consciousness, the Spotify consciousness, the whatever you're downloading into your mind every day, right? There's a certain frequency. And then there are other frequencies that are infinite, that have been around forever. You can read, you know, sacred texts from 10,000 years ago speaking about a certain frequency of consciousness, and it's still relevant to this day because it's timeless right so once you've done the work on healing the wounding i think that's my little dog nino scratching <laughs> i was gonna say <laughs> we gotta explain the, the, the noise going on yeah it sounds like uh, jingle bells back there um yeah, so once we tune into these higher frequencies then you can start to receive more inspiring downloads and those come from the ethers, right? It comes from like the Akashic records and you can start to realize, oh, wait a minute. If I'm having these downloads and these thoughts, maybe that's a part of my soul's contract. Maybe that's why I'm here on this planet. Maybe these synchronicities and coincidences that continue to remind me from my case in particular that, you know, that my voice, that my lyrics, that my poetry, that the way I string together words is actually one of my God-given talents. It took me 20 years to fully recognize that as my purpose because I had to deal with all the trauma and the pain and the voices in my head and the addictions and the betrayals and the obsessions and all that shit. I had to deal with it because I was born in L.A., to this certain particular family in this certain particular neighborhood. And that was part of my work. So doing all that work, what did it really do? It al allowed me to quiet those voices down so that I could tune to something greater so that I can hear a message that's outside of LA consciousness that's more universal and infinite. And what did that message tell me? It said, you're a gift. You're a gift and your gift is your voice and your gift are your words and focus on that and everything will fall into alignment. And it's been a huge leap of faith. It's taken a tremendous amount of courage. It's really taken me putting my middle, middle finger up into the air and saying, F what you think about me, F my reputation, F the whole social emotional dependency thing, trying to be approved in your eyes. And I'm going to listen to this higher calling and walk my path no matter what. And that has transformed my life completely. And now I'm, I'm just living in a whole nother paradigm, you know? So it's beautiful. There's so much, there's so, <laughs> there's so much. Um, the thing that I just want to like really like, put an extra like little stamp on is and say it in like such a flat kind of basic way is everything I hear is kind of that idea of like your cable box has a million stations. You get to decide what channel you put it on. Mm, I love right? that. And there, but, and the, and the, and none of them are bad. None of them are good, but it's like, what are you committed to creating in your life? So are you going to put on the reality TV and, and take in that energy? Are you going to put on, a sports event, right? Or are you going to put on a, a religious event or are you going to put on music, right? You, we all get to choose what energy and what we download. And yes, there's the, the world that surrounds us that is in, is unescapable because we live on this planet, but we do get to choose what, what we're really going to choose to take so in. So important. Um, so important, you know, a quick little yeah. uh, fun fact, I believe it's something like 70% of all the information that becomes a belief in your mind comes through your eyes. So your eyes are your most dominant sense, right? You're ingesting information constantly through your eyeballs that subconsciously becomes a belief about what you believe about the world, people, places, things, and yourself. So what are you putting through your eyes? Are you as conscious as what you perhaps say what you put into your mouth with your eyes, right? And same with your ears. The ears is like a 20% thing. I think 20% of the information that becomes beliefs comes through your ears. So what we look at every day and what we listen to really influences our experience of the world. And you and I have talked about before the, there's, I want to actually say this because there's nothing wrong with growing up in LA or New York or, you know, Tallahassee or wherever you grow up. <laughs> it doesn't matter anywhere else in the world. Um, but there's things that come with it, right? There's energy that comes with it. Yeah. And and we could go from LA to little areas of LA and break it down all the way down to your home yeah. and expand it out to your country and the world, right? Uh, the thing that we talked about, which you just brought to my mind with the eyes is 
because of the city we grew up in, there's some things that shaped us as men. Right? Yeah. We got an idea of what women look like. Oh, yeah. And in L.A. versus maybe somewhere else, it's a very different idea of what a woman, quote unquote, should look like. A very different idea of what a man should look like. How those two should interact based on what we saw, right? It's unbelievable. And we this could that this could be a whole other conversation. Absolutely. But I just see it as it was relevant, and I'm reminded because your thing is 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 all about voice and and music and the poetry, and as you described it, I'm going because I think mine is the written is is the written word. Beautiful. Now I think the the voice is a piece of mine also. Yeah, you got a sexy voice. But thank you. Uh, but but I didn't. I actually didn't. Because my voice when I was growing up didn't sound like the dude in Boys to Men, <laughs> like right in my head it didn't sound like that. I don't know she what it sounds like, right? Yeah. <laughs> no, the the I was like I don't like my voice, so I would downplay it. But in but as I've done this podcast, I've gotten to actually have a new create a new relationship with it. But I the visual piece that really connected with me that you were speaking of is. I grew up looking at papers that were handed back to me that looked like teachers slit their wrists on them, you know, Oof. covered in red ink. Yeah. And unfortunately, the educational system is a box we put people into, right? Like, basically, we were trying to make people robots so they comply with the system that we've created and go get a job and be a widget in the system and whatnot. Right. Well, the way I write and the way I always wrote was doesn't fit into that system. And some of that was because of learning disabilities and whatnot. But it only took a few – I actually had the breakthrough this year where where I – somebody read the book I'm working on, which is actually all about this, the the fictional life we create. It's called Fictional Authenticity. Wow. Um, Love that name. That somebody who I really respect read my writing and went, I'm so inspired by this. Like, I want to help you complete this book. And I went, wait, what? And then I read my book again and went for the first time in my life, holy shit, I'm a good writer. And all because you you just brought me all back to like the red ink on the paper that I saw for so many years. Mm. I'm getting chills talking about it. That that red ink on the paper and the letter that they deemed I was worthy of for that paper shifted my whole like took away my power for what I think I'm here for. Wow. Um, you know, it's so beautiful, that reflection and also so in alignment with everything that I coach and continue to see, which is a lot of times your biggest wounds on the other, on the opposite side of them are really your biggest gifts. So perhaps those, that red ink and those words really wounded you and created these limiting beliefs that, you know, thwarted your growth in that one department. But now here you are breaking through that, facing that, having a breakthrough and look, it's actually one of your greatest gifts. Yeah. Yeah, it's fantastic. Um, there was something else that I uh, I want to touch on because I think there's something – one of the things that it really ha- inspires me about you and uh, it's a reminder when I'm in your presence, when I talk to you, one of – my brain tells me that success is money. Success is – um, the big houses, you know, having the, I want to say like, it's almost like the hip hop, um, you know, America's richest people like that growing up the way, you know, what I saw, like that means you made it. That means you lived a good life. Now, everybody listening to this, I, I would bet money. Everybody knows deep down that's not what success is, but I think your story is a really good example of it because you created, you said it before, you know, you created businesses and you created success from a pretty young age and you've actually had to walk away from that and re kind of start over in a whole nother area that the same principles don't necessarily apply. We share kind of, you know, we don't need to go as much as you think is relevant to really show like where you got to that peak of imaginary success and the shifts that had to happen for you to transform. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, just starting at the impetus, my father was never financially successful. And I grew up in a town where I had a lot of financially successful fathers around me and my dad struggled for whatever reason. So I grew up with this fear of being like my dad and that fear drove me at a very young age to hustle and to become a quote unquote entrepreneur. Um, And focusing on that tirelessly, I was able to build an events production company and 
did that for about a decade and was, you know, making a quarter of a million dollars a year cash, throwing events with celebrities and brands all over the world and doing a great job and realized that I was actually selling alcohol for a living. You know, I was selling the lifestyle of drugs and alcohol and sex for a living. So at a certain point, uh, it was no longer in alignment with my values and I had kind of an existential crisis breakthrough moment and I walked away from that industry. Following that, I got into talent management. I tried to parlay my relationships with celebrities into a Hollywood talent management thing, but I hated the culture. I couldn't stand the culture. And I decided to partner with a guy who was an artist and we began producing fashion events. We produced the largest fashion events in Los Angeles for a while and built a photography studio and a fashion brand and a mar uh, fashion marketing agency and started uh, opening up art galleries around the world and really had a business going. You know, again, I was in the image business. So now instead of selling booze, I was selling image, right? And and style and, and <laughs> ego, right? I mean, sex and ego essentially is what we were peddling. And, you know, I had three or four businesses running at the same time, traveling around the world. And I was in St. Bart's, I remember, for New Year's producing this $3 million art show at the Eden Rock Hotel with all the wealthiest people on the planet. I mean, I had made it kind of to the top. You know, I'd bought my first home. I had a vintage car, a motorcycle, four different businesses making like half a million dollars a year, several employees, you know, in different companies, yada, yada. Um, and I was with the wealthiest people in the world and I could just feel this vapid energy of discontentment, of insecurity, of mask, of illusion. And that was the top, like these are the billionaires of the planet partying for New Year's. And I felt a hollowness and an emptiness in their hearts and souls that I just couldn't, it wasn't, it wasn't motivating. I couldn't aspire to be these people despite their outward success. And despite my outward success, I was still disgusted with myself sometimes. And, you know, it took me deep into meditation, deep into self-reflection. And that's when I first created the 366 program was... How did you even find that? Like, how did you even find the meditation and the, you know, being still enough to find yourself to, like, what what made that happen? I mean, it, to be honest with you, it was absolute disgust and terror and just, you know, damn near suicidal thoughts running through my mind. Like if I could make this much money, have these many women, have these many things, accomplish all this stuff that everybody wants and still feel this bad, what the fuck am I doing on this planet? Yeah. You know, I locked myself in a room for 24 hours, played some really nice meditative Chinese music <laughs> and meditated year by year every single year of my life. I was like, let's start with year one. What do you remember from year one? Where did that even, like, but, okay, I love the idea. Like, where does that even come from? Not to meditate, but to do that. Like, I'm going to go back. Did somebody, did you read that? Did These are downloads, you? man. You just so got I, it. You yeah, just felt like I, it came I, to you. I live my life now really uh, with the direction of the great guru, right? Like the great downloads from 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 universe, from source. So this was just a download that came to me. It's time to do this. It's also kind of logic and common sense. I was like, listen, I've, I've, I think I was 30 years old at the time or 29. I was like... I have to just go based on experience. I can't go based on what other people have told me. So what have I experienced in my life for the last 30 years that has made me feel the way that I want to feel? And with that filter and single pointed focus, you know, I just focus, I, I closed the doors and the blinds and I turned off the cell phones and I didn't even go eat. I mean, I just sat there and focused for hours and hours and hours on my entire life with the filter of what have I done that has put the feeling tone into my body that's a feeling tone that I want to carry with me for the rest of my life. And that's when I created this program that I've now been living for seven years in coaching, which has taken me to a completely different life. I mean, a year after committing to this program, these 15 principles, three for the body, six for the mind, six for the spirit, and so on, um, my life did a 180 degree turn. And again, I left my entire paradigm, all my friendships, my business partnerships, my clients, my employees, I, everything crumbled. 
my house of cards completely crumbled and I felt better in my body than I had ever felt before. But this new me no longer resonated with all the relationships and values that I had created in my old paradigm. So all that had to be destroyed for the new me to emerge. I don't know. Did I answer your question? <laughs> I think so. I mean, I think you really just touched on what you what you built, what you created, and that, yeah, I mean, it all fell apart to start something new. And I think, I think that's the fear that so many of us have. Um, I know that when I talk to a lot of, I actually just talked to somebody recently who wanted to work with me or wants to work with me. And they said they make an extraordinary amount of money. You know, they're in the 1% and they have a great family and they have all the things, you know, they check all the boxes and, but what they really want to do is be more committed to God, the religion that they follow. They, they are like, I want, I want to be all in over there, but the money is like a, it's like handcuffs, right? It's how do they have both? How do they create the wealth that they need to also then go use that wealth to do what they believe is the good in the world? And I think so many of us get scared, right? To leave. I walked away. I wasn't having the level of success that you had, but I was at the very, you know, top of the restaurant business and opening places and developing brands. And cold Turkey was like, I can't do this anymore. I can't live. I can't live another day in this routine. And I don't think it has to be like that for everybody. You said it before, right? We meet people where they're at. Everybody doesn't have to cold turkey, burn the the house of cards down and start from scratch. It's an option, but it's not for everybody. Yeah, no, it's definitely not for everybody. I, I like to coach people into building a bridge. You know, what's the bridge source of income that's not your ideal, but can create the space for you to actually start listening to your soul and your intuition. I think that's extremely important. And look, I mean, most of the people that end up working with me fall in line with this guy you're talking about, which is I'm, I'm one foot in and I'm one foot out. I'm one foot in the hustle. I'm one foot in the paradigm of capitalism and success and yada, yada, yada as my God, right? Because we, we put money as our God, right? Money, if money is the most important thing in your life, then that has become your higher power. If women are the most important thing or sex or relationship is the most important thing in your life, that has become your higher power. And I have the experience of anything that I put ahead of actually God gets destroyed, right? So the spirit, the soul is, 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 is calling that forward in this guy you're talking about, right? It's knocking on his door. The phone's ringing. Hey, 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 it's time for you to focus on what's real. It's fine. It's time for you to focus on, you know, your soul, your spirit, your con, you know, your, the reason we're really committed to what you're really yeah, right. Yeah, just in a hu- very human sense, like what you're really here for. Exactly. But the illusion is so strong and it's so thick and it's reinforced every single day by all the limiting beliefs of everybody around us. So it's hard to take that leap. And that's where faith really comes in. And there's so much fear. I think that's the, there's so much fear because of the limiting beliefs, because of the society, what we're told is important, what we're told we need to do, what we should do, that it's not safe to not have a 401k or it's not safe to not have a job. But I mean, I think we both kind of talked about throughout this whole thing that ultimately what we really want or what we're here to do exists outside of that. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, a big part of how I see society going and how to navigate through this big fear blanket of illusion is through surrounding yourself with people who are evidence that another way is possible, right? So if if we can come together as a community and begin to reinforce each other, begin to support each other, begin to believe in each other and serve as examples for each other, that another paradigm is possible, then that visual experiential reference becomes the new standard for your subconscious beliefs, right? Which is why I'm building, I call it a destination of enlightenment, but it's essentially a compound. It's a, it's a community gathering place where beings who are living their truth with beings who have decided to take faith as their directive and are following their North Star can come together and congregate 
and play and create and manifest and 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 and, and co-create together so that the periphery so that everybody else around them can be like hey wait a minute if this guy can do it and he grew up in LA and was a fucking you know <laughs> thug in the streets then I can do it too, right? So we get to serve as examples, as living proof. And there's so many beings out there that have done it. I mean, from, you know, as high as Jesus and Buddha and, you know, all the saints and sages. But I think now in the modern day, it's less about the guy, right? Or the the saint. It's more about the community. The community itself can serve as the superhero for the society. Micro-communities. When, so I know you, you have a book that you're working on, right? Yeah. You had, you had a book, you got a, the three, six, six program, which is the book is tied to that, right? Absolutely. Yeah. And then you're all about creating media, uplifting, more positive, especially using your voice. And then you have the compound. Yeah. Right. It sounds so uh, aggressive when it's a compound, but I've seen it. I got to see like, it wasn't done, but it's a beautiful space. It's going to be, I've seen video pictures and videos online of, of what you've done with it. It looks amazing. Um, what's next with all this? Like what's the, where, where's the destination that you're headed to? And what's the thing that you find that you're going to have to overcome to be able to get you where you want to go? That's beautiful. You know, there's been so many destinations that I've, accomplished or reached right so many mountaintops that i've 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 hit and i've realized now in choosing this life that i've chosen that i'm choosing a life where the destination isn't as important as the journey right so i'm choosing a life where i actually enjoy what i do every single day and that's kind of good enough and that feeling has created more success for me then, oh, I got to get here so that I can get X, Y, and Z, you know? So the, you, you, you named it, I basically live my life within three spheres. Um, the first sphere is taking my life lessons, taking everything that I've learned, my experience, and transmuting it to others who can download my particular frequency. I'm not for everybody, but I am for a lot of people. And the people that I'm for can really value by my experience. So I've packaged together my teachings, my coaching, my training program. It looks like online videos. It looks like retreats and workshops. It looks like one-on-one -on -one coaching um, and, and a book and my continuing to speak about these different principles and experience. So that's one sphere. And I really feel that as like a mitzvah, they say in, uh, in Yiddish, right? It's like service. There's people that I coach and they don't even pay me anything. I can just feel they're young, they're hungry, they got this energy. And I take on a couple people a year like this just as a mitzvah. And then there's folks who have a ton of money and they're stuck in their addictions and they're stuck in their paradigm. And if they open up enough to sit with me, I really see the value in in the service. So it's it's just so rewarding. So that's part one. Part two is I want to I want to live in a huge sandbox. <laughs> you know, when I sit down and I listen to my inner child, he's like, man, I want to play. And I want to play with superhuman beings who are living their truth just like you. Right. So what am I doing? I'm not looking for somebody else to solve the problem for me. I'm just gonna build the sandbox myself. And that's what these communities look like. So I'm on a mission to build a modern version of a micro community, intentional community system where people can find people who um, resonate with them, who have similar resonance. And you can build these communities of 150 people that have an infrastructure in place for you to thrive and to immediately kind of get out of survival mode just by being a part of this community. So I got the prototype in Elysian Heights. That's almost done. We've been two years in development. It's extremely ex exciting. You know, it's going to be a retreat center and a meditation center and a spa and a gathering place for ceremonies and, you know, just to, just to create this particular vibration. And it's fun. You know, I'm, I'm buying land developing it into a beautiful space so that a bunch of really cool people can get together and have a great time, um, you know, on a, on a high vibe frequency. So that's really exciting. But my truth and the most passionate part of my life is using my words and my lyrics to make music that's 
insightful, that has you ask questions, that makes you feel your humanity, that makes you think about things in different sorts of ways, bringing in mantra, bringing in affirmations, bringing in oration and the spoken word into the musical sphere, into the hip hop sphere, into the lyrical sphere, bringing a tremendous amount of soul into that energy and to create a vibration that really brings being into a sense of like a feeling of attunement. And once I come out fully as an artist with my own show and my own tour, then the idea is to partner with a bunch of artists who are on that same frequency, create a troupe and travel around the world with a transformational theatrical experience, right? That's a show, it's entertainment, it's uplifting, but you also go there and when you leave, you're like, whoa. I don't think I'm ever going to be the same again after that, you know? So that's the big vision I have. And, you know, outside of finding a wife and having kids and traveling around, enjoying the sunshine, that's pretty much my plan for the rest of my life. What's the obstacle? What's the thing that within you, you know, not the outside obstacle, but the thing about you that, you know, you have to have that breakthrough around or overcome that will make all that possible. Yeah. I think it's still good enough, you know? So I've gotten a lot of leverage on myself when it comes to good enough. And I really feel confident in so many arenas of my life. But as I raise my standards and I step into new fields, then the voice comes up again. And it's like, yeah, 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 you're good at all this stuff, but what about, you never been on stage in front of thousands of people. Are you good enough for that? Or, you know, yeah, yeah. So every time the standard gets raised, that same voice comes back and I get to sit down and be like, listen, I'm with you here, right? And and have that dialogue, have that back and forth. Um, And then, you know, a lot of times when I'm at that place where I'm really shaking in my boots and I'm scared, but I'm excited. I visualize myself being on a snowboard at the top of a huge mountain, like a double black diamond with the with the moguls and the whole, I mean, the, the bumps, right? And the whole yeah. thing and being like, look, I don't know if I'm going to make it, but we're at the top of this mountain and it's go time. So let's have a good time. Um, but yeah, it always comes. I think the voices, like I said, they're always there. I don't kick them out of the car. They just don't have their hands on the steering wheel anymore. They're in the back seat and we're having a dialogue and he continues to come up no matter where I'm at. Um, That's great. I, I can totally resonate with that. It's every, every new mountain, the voice comes back Yeah. because, well, okay, so you did that, but you can't do this. Right. You know, and it doesn't matter. Even like I shared the book thing, it's like, well, now I'm working on my second one and it's like... Well, you had one book in you, but you know, yeah. real writers write like, <laughs> and yeah, mine is disappointment. Like the if I go a layer below, not good enough, because I think uh, like the not good enough resonates with me. Mine is that I'm going to disappoint everyone. Mm, uh, wow, and that's the that's the thing that shows up, right? So every new project I take on that's a level higher than the one before, it's you're going to disappoint these people. Mm. Now there's new, now these people are better, mm. right? Nobody's better, but the voice says, oh, these people are better, higher, whatever. Wow. And I can disappoint them, which is worse than those other people. Yeah. Wow. That just made me think about a voice I have. Sometimes I even call him Satan, um, <laughs> which he, they, he says, they're going to find out, bro. They're going to find out everything you did. They're going to find out who you really are and you're going to be ruined. <laughs> and that voice is scary, man. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And who doesn't have something, right? Like that, that it's not even, you don't even have to have done anything, but there's that, like that fraud that. Oh yeah. The, I mean, I make it made. a practice to talk about everything I'm ashamed of, everything that, you know, makes me feel guilty, right? All the skeletons in the, in, in the closet, you're only sick is your secrets. That's what they say. So it's been a practice of mine to voice it, get it out, put it out there into the world. But yeah. There's we, I mean, we could keep going and going and going, but we're not going to, not right now, not today. Um, <laughs> All so good. how do people find out more about your coaching? The, you know, where can they see the music video when the, like the compounds open? How do they find out? Like, where's all this information? Yeah. So you can check out the 366 program.com. That is my website and it's constantly being updated. We're in version one, new version is going to be coming out soon with the whole online courses. You can also follow me on Instagram. It's at the 366 program or at Azuro man, A-Z-Z-U-R-R-O-M-A-N. 
and yeah, sign up for the newsletter and just stay connected. I'll constantly be putting putting information out there. And where's that video at? People, that, need, people should see that. Yeah, it's really the video's cool. on my Instagram. It's on YouTube. Um, my stage name is of creation. So the YouTube is of creation. I just started it. So the video's out there. It's going to be one of many. Like my commitment is to put hundreds of tracks out there with videos and stuff. So we'll be flooding the internet pretty soon. <laughs> Hey, thanks for, um, man, my pleasure. Thanks for being here, man. You Thank know, you. I, like I said in the beginning, you drove down from LA to do this. And I know, you know, not just for me, but like, this was a big piece of it. Thanks for the, the commitment, the, the generosity that would have you give up, you know, hours of your life to, to give a, be of service here with me, with the guests to be vulnerable and share your story to open your heart, to transform your life. Brother, thank you. I received that. And thank you so much. I just got to say, you know, you reaching out to me after seeing that video is a huge acknowledgement and motivation for me to keep going, right? Because sometimes you put your first pieces of artwork out there and you're like, is this good? Or do I just think it's good? And then I get, you know, just one phone call. Hey, man, that was so awesome. Yada, yada, yada can, can really flip the switch for me. So um, I receive and I reciprocate 100%, man. You're the man. I appreciate you. Thanks, man. Appreciate yeah. it. Peace. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Dream Mason podcast. I am grateful to have you here. Please support me and this podcast by subscribing on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, TuneIn, or YouTube. And leave a review on iTunes. And share this podcast with a friend. If you want more, or you're ready to play a bigger game and create more clarity, freedom, and success in your life, you can follow me on Instagram at inspirationalalex, or you can reach out to me at thedreammason.com or even email me at alex at thedreammason.com. Remember, you are a dream mason because your dreams don't build themselves. Thank you.